A very good evening to you. Welcome along to this edition of Gospel for You. My name's Rob Rowe. Great pleasure to have you along. As always, we start off with a core theme and a core scripture. What, where and who is your focus? Our core scripture for the program is Luke chapter 10 verse 27. He answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbour as yourself. And this evening with considering God as the Lord, as our focus. He's certainly my focus and over certainly a recent number of years I've come to realise how important God is in my life. And especially since I have started these programmes back in April 2021 and here we are in 2023 and by grace we are still broadcasting, still telling the gospel still seeking God in our Gospel for You programs. Our heart is to get the Gospel out to every language group around the world. That's the good news of salvation made possible through Jesus Christ. There are a number of elements and already we've had two of them. Our theme, which once again this evening is who, where and what is your focus. You could ask that question in any of the ways. What, where and who is your focus? We have our core scripture, Luke 10 verse 27. We have your gospel and your gospel is simply a way of making the gospel in an approachable way for every language group. That gospel of salvation, which is emphasized by John chapter 3 verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whosoever believes shall not perish, but shall have everlasting life. And we want to make that available in different languages so that it goes out to different language groups, first of all around Europe, but also this broadcast goes out to North Africa and the Middle East as well. And during the course of our programmes, we have featured some African languages and also Hebrew as well, which we have. And we try and get some other Middle Eastern languages just as soon as we can. So today we have Spanish, Hungarian and Catalan. We have a testimony, a testimony this time from Les Brown, who was a pilot who worked for Mission Aviation Fellowship. And he describes his life. We find out from a series of essays that he has recorded about his life as a math pilot, his journey to that, and his journey along the way, even away from that a little bit. And here we hear about frustrating years, but the lessons that Les Brown has learnt. Our message tonight is given by Craig Patterson of King's Church Aberdeen and the title of his message is The Only Way. And then finishing off, we have prayer and an opportunity for you to respond to what you've heard this evening. 
to our theme, what, where and who is your focus? Right at the end of the programme, we have the congregation at Kemney Parish Church singing, I'm not ashamed to own my Lord or to defend his cause. Now, let's get into your gospel in Spanish. ¿Por qué de tal manera amó Dios al mundo que ha dado a su Hijo unigénito para que todo aquel que en él cree no se pierda, mas tenga vida eterna? After three frustrating years, when one could see God's provision in many ways, there were times when I could get upset with God. Lord, give me work. Then I could buy my own battery. Isn't it great that God's shoulders are big enough to take the abuse that we sometimes send his way? At the end of this three years of unemployment, I failed the six monthly medical for my air crew license due to a neck problem which sometimes caused dizziness. Any flying option was now eliminated when looking for work. So I began to look elsewhere and saw something going at BP in Aberdeen. I wasn't hopeful, but there was no harm in applying. It came to pass soon afterwards that MEF were, a bit ab were able to offer me employment in their home office in Folkestone, Kent. Having spent 11 years serving with MEF, I had gained a great respect for the mission and the work they were doing, and knew that I would be very happy to be back with them. But talking it over with Elaine, we both knew that moving the three children at this critical stage in their education wasn't a good idea. Where should we go from here? I prayed. Lord, give me a job up here by 12 o'clock on April 30th, three weeks hence or we will go ahead and accept MEF's offer. MEF was expecting a response from us around that date. To return to the mission would also mean raising support again, because MEF is a faith mission and would not be paying a salary, just as before. You can by now guess the end of this story too. The decision day arrived, and being a Saturday, we were still in bed, when the postman arrived. Elaine went down and there on the mat was a letter from BP. She hurried back upstairs to give it to me. I was so used to I regret letters that I was sure this one would be dumped straight into the bin like all the others. This time the letter began, I am happy to inform you. The very first positive response in three years. We were elated and it became a Saturday morning we'll never forget. There have been a number of cliffhangers, figuratively I mean, not literally, in our lives and this was certainly one of them. I'm not sure why they happen. Does God want to test our faith in him in order that we grow in believing? Anyway, this was a good job working in the BP gas control room in Aberdeen. It had just so happened again that our deliverance had come at the critical hour. There are more illustrations and more exciting stories. Who wants excitement? I've, been, I've spent years trying to avoid it, but that is enough to illustrate why I'm writing this. I do not enjoy writing, and this has been a discipline to me. 
So why do I bother? It's this. Many of God's people, including myself, lose sight of the fact that God is very much a part of their lives. He is real. Life is not a bed of roses, I know, but it's a comfort that we are children of God and that he cares very much for us in the good times and the bad. Of that I have no doubt. János 3.16 Mert úgy szerette Isten e világot, hogy az ő egyszülött fiát adta, hogy valaki hiszen ő benne elnevesszen, hanem örök élete legyen. This is gospel for you, and you've been listening to your gospel in Hungarian. A testimony from Les Brown, who was a mission aviation pilot, and your gospel in Spanish. Now, gospel for you is our heart to get the gospel out to every language group around the world. In just a few moments, we're going to be hearing from Craig Patterson, who's in this particular message, wrapping up a series of sermons based on the words, the only way. Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And in this, we're seeing various aspects and facets of God, how he not only created the earth, but he made it possible for each and every one of us to be able to receive salvation as a result of what his son Christ Jesus did on the cross in our place. And God, when we allow him, can actually work through his spirit in our lives from the inside out and change us and actually make all that we can do better, even better than before. I had to learn a lesson in the last few weeks, listeners. And that lesson is simply that as much as I like my phone as a device, well, for one thing, I've been able to manage a lot without it. Yes, because I had other devices that I could actually call on. But much more than that, when we're looking at devices, we're not spending time with God. We're not seeking God in all that we do. And sometimes I often think that maybe God sits along by us, watching us in our busyness, watching us maybe having cups of coffee with others, but not really giving him a thought, watching us as we churn up on the treadmill or get ready to make that dive or get ready to go on stage or get ready to go on TV or the radio. And God's saying, look, you know what? I really want to spend time with you. My son died for you. I really want and would value that time. And God did that. God sent his son and his son Jesus Christ went to the cross willingly, knowing that all humanity did not really measure up to God's standards, but provided a way. He said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He provided a way for each of us to come to him, to actually have an intimacy with him, to get to know him better, even on this earth. And we have a core scripture for the station, for Gospel for Grampian radio station, which produces this program, and I'm the director at the station, and I set up 
Gospel for Grampian itself back in 2006. That core scripture is taken from John 10, verse 10. The thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So God not only wants each of us to have salvation, but he wants us to have that quality of life and be able to live life to the full. And that is what he's offering. He's offering not only a way to come to God, to spend intimate time with God, but also an opportunity to, in spite of what the world throws at us, to be able to have a quality of life unparalleled. And that is what is on offer. But what do we say? Where is our focus? We began this program back in April 2021 to take that gospel forward. Why? Because God wants each of us to have a chance of intimacy with him for us to know him this side of eternity. At the end of our lives, each of us well, whether we like it or not, whether we care to think about it or not, each of us will die. That is a fact, unfortunately, of life. But what God promises is that for those who accept him here on earth as his son here on earth as Lord and Saviour of our lives, asking him to come into our lives, that brings us beyond the things that we've done wrong and it brings us into an intimacy with God and God is then pleased when we come to him and we actually put the things that we would almost hold dear on occasions we put those aside and say Lord yes I admit I have been using my phone a lot I have been using it for gaming. I have been using it for shopping. I have been using it for podcasts and for listening to music. And I haven't been spending time with you. But it's only when we start asking God and allowing him to to have that intimacy with him. Anyway, we're going to go in to uh, Craig Patterson, The Only Way. And I'll be back after this. Great to see you in church today. Thank you so much for coming out. We have a great day ahead of us. It is always good to celebrate, always good to have baptisms. It's the reason we do church. So we're excited today and we are so grateful that you're with us, that you've taken your time this morning to come out on Sunday and be at church. We believe that coming to church changes everything, that this, the gathered community of God is where God manifests his presence, where he speaks to us, where he ministers to us. And where ultimately he galvanizes us and makes us who he needs us to be to impact our community and our world. Because God hasn't finished with our world yet. He still has stuff to do. There are still people to give their lives to Jesus. There are still relationships to be transformed and restored. God is still on the move. And until the curtain falls on the last day, there is still time and God is still moving. And we believe that so we won't give up until Jesus comes back again. Let's pray together before we start this morning. God, we're grateful. We acknowledge who you are. We acknowledge your presence in this place. And as we come to open up your word, Lord God, we ask that you would still and settle our hearts. 
All of us in this room have had different weeks. We come to this moment with different baggage, different things in our minds. Some of us are unsettled. Some of us have got stress or worry or concern. Some of us have got joy and excitement and anticipation. God, we bring it all to you. And we ask that just over these next moments, as we commit to open your word and to hear from you, that you would still and settle our hearts and our minds. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would illuminate my words, cut through the dross, Holy Spirit, and speak directly into our hearts, into our souls. Teach us what we need to know. We give you all the glory, Jesus. We are here because of you. We are here to meet with you. We are here to know you. Please speak to us by your spirit. Amen. Amen. I don't know about you, but I'm easily confused. And one of the things that I find the most confusing is buying gifts, buying presents. Some of you have encountered this with me. I can feel some cackling from the front row. People who were unfortunate enough in the secret Santa to have me pull their name out of their hat, I'm very sorry. I hope that in latter years, somehow I might make it up to you. The worst, the person who suffers the most from my gift-related confusion is my wife, Lynn. We've been together for 18 years. We've been married for 15. 18 years. Of, and honestly, I try. It's not, I don't think it's a lack of effort. I try to get my head into the place where I might get a good gift, think of a good present. She gives me lists. I, I, I can't explain why they don't help, but somehow, <laughs> even with a list... I fail. And for 18 years, I have been trying to get her a half-decent gift, but there is a fog that descends in my mind when it comes to buying a present. Maybe you're familiar with the five love languages. Have you heard of the five love languages? They're a very useful tool for making you feel really inadequate and guilty about the languages you don't speak. (laughs) Tragically for Lynn, her language is gifts. And I don't speak gifts. And I've been trying one year, one Christmas. She said to me, I, you know, in the traditional run up to Christmas, I said, Lynn, what can I get you? Help me out. You know how bad I am. She says, look, I want some new stuff for the kitchen. I want to accessorize in the kitchen a little bit. And I really like lime green at the minute. So on about the 23rd of December, I went on to Amazon um, <laughs> to look for lime green cr- kitchen stuff. Amazon let me down. So on Christmas Day, Lynn got, I think, a bag of Haribo at best. And on the 27th, the lime green scrubbing brush turned up. (laughs) That was all I had found. And I appreciate that having heard that, you're now not going to want to listen to me for the next half hour. But if you could could forgive me that, counsel Lynn later, you can give me a quick right hook for my incompetence. But honestly, the confusion is over. I can't do gifts. Second only to gifts and presents, I think, in confusion is the confusion that you have when you sleepwalk. Has anybody ever sleep, sleep, sleepwalk? Quick show of hands. It's, Lachlan's walking up the back with his hand up. Are you awake, Lachlan? <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, for those of us who sleepwalk, it is very, very confusing. I was about 10 or 11 years old. We lived in a house, and on the porch, there was a cage with a parrot in it, an African grey. African grey parrot, his name was Bondi or Bandit. 
And uh, he lived in a cage on the front porch. And as you went through the front porch into the living room, there was a dining area. Then at the back of the room, there was like a seated area. And midway down the room was a hallway that went to the bathrooms and the, and the bedrooms. And I had been put to bed that night, 10 or 11 years old. And my parents were seated, were seated, seated seating. They were sitting in the seating area. <laughs> they were seated in the sitting area. Uh, and... They saw me emerge from this hallway and hang a left through the dining area straight onto the porch where I proceeded to use poor Bondi's cage as the toilet. I did. I peed on the parrot. And uh, I still remember my dad running out onto the porch. Craig, Craig, what you... I was so disorientated, so confused. I didn't know where I was. I didn't know what I was doing. Thankfully, by God's grace, I've largely grown out of sleepwalking. My brother-in-law has woken up at four o'clock in the morning, holding on to the shutters of his local bakery where he buys his morning roll, fully dressed for work, having, woke, having got up in the middle of the night, still asleep, dressed himself, left his home, walked to work and landed at the bakery going, why won't they sell me my morning roll? At four o'clock in the morning. Confusing when you sleepwalk. And this morning, I think that there are a couple of things that we need to address as we come to the end of our series, The Way. Because I think that for those of us who believe in Jesus and for those of us who don't yet believe in Jesus, we can exist in this place of confusion or this place of just going through the motions. And I believe that what God wants to do this morning amongst us is he wants to wake us up, focus our minds and cut through the confusion to give us certainty and clarity about who we follow, why we follow him, and what it means for us and for our city. Tragically, I know personally, in my spiritual life, metaphorically, I often just sleepwalk through. And I get confused, and I look at situations, and I'm unable to process them against my faith. And I hope and I pray that this morning, I'll be able to wake myself up and maybe together we can wake up. You know, Paul writes to the church in Ephesus and he says, Awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead and let the light of Christ shine upon you. Awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead, let the light of Christ shine upon you. And my hope, my prayer, my belief is that this morning together we might wake up, we might cut through the confusion and we might fix again on the reason why Jesus is the only way. He is the only way. And if you need a title to write at the top of your notes, you can just write the only way. We sang it as the band led us earlier. He is the only way. We're going to go into the Bible and we're going to read a story from Acts chapter 8, which I think might help us this morning. It's the story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. So if you've got your Bible, turn to Acts chapter 8. We're going to start in verse 26. I'm going to read it through. It'll be on the screen behind me. Um, I'm reading from the NLT. You might, if you're opening your Bible, you might find that there's a verse that I read that doesn't appear in your text. Don't worry about that. Some manuscripts have verse 37. Some don't. It's in general keeping with the tone of the Bible. It is biblically accurate, theologically sound. So whether you don't have it or you do have it, don't get worked up about it. It's all good. And it will be on the screen behind me. Acts 8, 26. As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, Go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under the Candake, the queen of Ethiopia. I want to pause just for anybody who doesn't know what a eunuch is. We're just going to get this out of the way up front. 
A eunuch is a man whose testicles have been removed or crushed so that he is not a threat to the women in leadership that he serves or that he supports. So in this time, this wasn't uncommon that men who served women um, would be neutered effectively so that they were not a sexual threat to them. So this man is a man whose testicles have either been removed or crushed. That's done, but it will come back in a little bit later. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship and he was now returning. Seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. And the Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk along beside the carriage. Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. And Philip asked, do you understand what you are reading? And the man replied, how can I unless someone instructs me? We can identify with that, can't we? With that confusion, with that sense of I don't get what I'm reading. I can't put this, I can't relate this to my world. I can't relate this to what I see and experience We'll talk about that. But the eunuch is confused. And he urged Philip, come up into the carriage, sit with him. The passage of scripture that he had been reading was this. It's from Isaiah 53. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants for his life was taken from the earth? And the eunuch asked Philip, tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? So, it's a great verse. Beginning with this same scripture, starting where he was, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. As they rode along, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, there's some water, why can't I be baptized? You can, Philip answered, if you believe with all your heart. And the eunuch replied, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. He ordered the carriage to stop. They went down into the water and Philip baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch never saw him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Meanwhile, Philip found himself farther north at the town of Azotus. He preached the good news there and in every town along the way until he came to Caesarea. The Ethiopian eunuch is a fascinating character. This is the only time we encounter him in the Bible. It's a significant passage and it shows us so much. He is a man who is journeying. He is a man who is confused, who is studying, trying to understand, but needing help. And there are three things that I think we can see in his life where Jesus becomes, through the course of his conversation with Philip, the solution. The first thing that I believe the Ethiopian eunuch is struggling with is a sense of darkness. He had traveled to Jerusalem to worship. However, it's not unreasonable to assume, and many commentators believe, that he was probably not able to worship in the temple. Deuteronomy 23 verse 1 prohibits anybody whose testicles have been crushed or removed from worshiping in the temple of God. So the eunuch has gone to Jerusalem to worship God but has likely not been able to fully participate in the worship that he went to fulfill. So as he journeys back, opening the scriptures, I think it's reasonable to expect that he would have been in a pretty dejected place. He would have been dealing with disappointment. He would have been wondering why this abuse that had been done to him was now prohibiting him from outworking the faith that he had. Why he was excluded. Why he was marginalized. Why he was shut out. 
why his identity had become a barrier to his full engagement in his own faith. Because, he, his, because of the damage that had been done to him, he would have been noticeably different. We know that in, a, in the absence of testosterone, the rest of our body demonstrates that. So you would expect that he would have had physical characteristics which identified him to people round about him as a eunuch. And these would most likely have been the thing that was noticed at the temple and which led to his exclusion. Can you imagine the sense of loneliness and isolation, an identity challenge that this individual was wrestling with as he journeyed home? The darkness that he must have been in. Today, we would probably call him, uh, we, we would call him non-binary or we would give him a, non, a non-normal gender identity. And he exists here in the Bible, struggling in the darkness of his identity and of his exclusion. And as he turns to the scripture, to Isaiah 53, all he finds is more darkness. He finds a sheep being slaughtered and not, not being able to speak up for itself. He finds injustice. He finds pain as he turns to the scripture. And I imagine for the eunuch that the darkness must have been fairly overwhelming. But not only is he dealing with the darkness, he's dealing with the mystery. I'm sure there are many of us who can identify with what the eunuch's going through. He has taken what he believed to be the right step in his faith journey. He has packed his life up and traveled to Jerusalem. Big step of obedience, big personal, financial, time commitment to go. And he has stepped out and yet he has unfulfilled. Maybe he was trying to do what others round about him had done. Maybe others had traveled and come back and gone, hey, you should go to Jerusalem. It's phenomenal. I went to the temple and the presence of God was there and I made my sacrifice and my offering and we worshiped and the priest blessed us and you should go and experience the presence of God. And he's gone, yeah, I want I want that. I'm going to follow those footsteps. I'm going to take those steps and hopefully I'll get that result. And he is living in the mystery of unfulfilled obedience, living in the mystery of purpose and absence of meaning and not knowing why the steps that he took that he felt God had ordained for him hadn't produced the result that he was expecting. We want God to be formulaic, don't we? We want one plus one to equal two. And in God's kingdom and in our world, in all the trauma and the brokenness, so often the logical sequences don't follow. And we take a step and we don't get the result that maybe we were promised or maybe we saw in somebody else. And we live in this mystery. He's living in the dark, living in the mystery. And he's struggling with his mortality. Living in the shadow of death. This would have been a big trip for him. His identity is challenged. His future is challenged. He's not going to be a father. He's got purpose, I suppose, in his role. But he must be at one of those moments in his life where he looks and he realizes that the sands of time are slipping through his fingers. And the step that he wanted to take to go to Jerusalem and worship hasn't worked out. He's, he's uh, identified in society as a not normal person. And it's a point of reflection, isn't it? We recognize these points of reflection that we get to in our lives where we look and we stop and we contemplate and we say, here I am. I'm at this midpoint in my life. I should have achieved more. I I want to be somewhere different. I feel like I'm not doing as much. 
Is it only me? We get that, don't we? And we're reminded that our life is short and that there is an end and that we're mortal. And he faces that as well. He's having a pretty grim journey. And Philip, sent by the Holy Spirit, comes alongside. And prompted by the Holy Spirit, comes and offers his help and says, hey, can I, can I help you? Please, come. I'm confused. I'm in the dark. I'm in the mystery. I'm contemplating my own mortality. Help me. Because this scripture isn't helping me at all. I'm beginning In Isaiah 53, Philip tells him the good news about Jesus. And here it is. The good news about Jesus is that he is the only way to see beauty in the darkness. Jesus is the only way to see beauty in the darkness. All of us have got darkness. All of us have got stuff that's traumatic, that's tragic, that's hard to process. If it's not your own personal stuff, it's in your periphery, it's on the news. Our world is a world that is full of darkness. And the only way to see beauty in the darkness is in Jesus. And we find his beauty in his presence. Because Jesus chooses in our darkness to be present with us. To mourn with us, to struggle with us, to go with us through our darkness. Through the darkness that we have to understand. I read a book a few years ago called Night by Elie Wiesel, who's a Holocaust survivor, who suffered the atrocities of Auschwitz. And there's a passage in it that stuck deep in my spirit. It was an execution one night. Two men and a boy were hung in the concentration camp. And all the prisoners were made to walk past the hanging bodies. The two grown men had died immediately because their weight had snapped their necks. The boy was twitching on the rope, too light to die. And as the prisoners walked past, Elie Wiesel records that he heard a voice behind him, for God's sake, where is God? And from within me, I heard a voice answer, where is he? This is where, hanging here from this gallows. The beauty of Jesus is that he doesn't leave us in our darkness He is right in it with us. And we want, our paradigm is, Jesus, would you fix it? Would you shine the light? We're right to pray that. Our reality is that in our darkness, Jesus is right there with us, weeping with us, struggling with us, grieving with us. You know, most of you will know, it's six weeks ago, my sister died. And as I've been processing it, as I've been praying, this truth, this beauty has become so much more real to me. Because it is dark. It's hard to process. And as I pray, and as my own paradigm of what my faith means was put to the test, was stress tested by this tragedy, I struggled to imagine Ruth skipping into heaven And Jesus welcomed me with a big smile and with party poppers. I struggled with that. So much pain. You click your fingers and the pain disappears. And I felt just an awareness that God weeps. I believe that Jesus welcomed Ruth into heaven with tears in his eyes. 
grieving at the pain, hurting for what she went through. I believe that when the Bible tells us in Revelation 22 that he'll wipe away every tear, we need to remember and realize that means they're still weeping, but the tears are being wiped away. They're being dealt with. And heaven in its all, all its glory works backwards through time to heal us, to restore us, to wipe away the hurt and the pain. And through eternity, as we worship Jesus, he heals our hurt and he wipes the tears from our eyes, but he weeps with us on the journey. There's this amazing set of books, the Chronicles of Narnia. And in the very first one, the magician's nephew, there's a child called Diggory, his mum is suffering a terminal illness. And he meets Aslan. And if you know the Chronicles of Narnia, you'll know that Aslan is the representation of Jesus in the books. And Diggory says this, but please, please, won't you, can't you give me something that will cure mother? Up until then, he'd been looking at the lion's great feet and the huge claws on them. Now, in his despair, he looked up at its face. And what he saw surprised him as much as anything in his whole life. For the tawny face was bent down near his own, and wonder of wonders, great shining tears stood in the lion's eyes. They were such big, bright tears compared with Diggory's own, that for a moment he felt as if the lion must really be sorrier about his mother than he was himself. My son, my son, said Aslan, I know, grief is great. Only you and I in this land know that yet. Let us be good to one another. The only way to see beauty in our darkness is to look into the eyes of Jesus and find that they are shining with tears as he weeps with us in our sorrow. It is the only way to find beauty in the darkness. And let me speak specifically to somebody, and I believe you're here today. And we spoke about the Ethiopian eunuch and the abuse that he suffered. And your history includes abuse. And when you look into the eyes of Jesus, you struggle to feel anything other than frustration and anger at him for letting you go through that abuse. And I just feel like he wants to say to you today, I understand your frustration, I understand your anger, but if you'll look into my eyes, you'll see that your pain is my pain. And I weep with you in this darkness. The only way to find beauty in the darkness is Jesus. He is also the only way to find meaning in the mystery. Can you imagine the confusion of taking steps of obedience and finding that they came to nothing? Of doing something that many others have done and not getting the same result? Maybe that is actually your experience. Because we want to follow a well-trodden path. And maybe you've heard people stand up on this platform and say, hey, if you do this, then you'll get this. If you tithe, then this happens. If, this, if you join a team, then this happens. And it's all our experience and true, and, and it's what we believe we're meant to do in obedience, but we don't make the rules. And sometimes we do, every, we do all the right things, and it doesn't work out the way that we expected it to. And God is doing something different. And then we live in this mystery. This mystery of, hang on, I thought I was doing what you said. Maybe even I had a prophetic word and I followed it and then it didn't get the result and now I'm stuck. And I'm living in this mystery. And we start to question, what's the purpose? What's the meaning? Well, the only way to find meaning in the mystery is in Jesus. 
Jesus himself gave us the key to find meaning in the mystery. He said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. And the way that we can find meaning in the mystery of our lives is to be consistent in doing the will of God. And that doesn't mean the specific will of God that God has told you to be an investment banker and make million pound bonuses. If he has, God bless you, remember to tithe. (laughs) What that means is it means the will of God to be in your community, serving God, loving people, loving God, wherever God has put you, whatever he's got you doing, whether you like it, whether you don't like it, whether I'm happy, whether I'm sad, whether I can see the meaning and the purpose, or whether I'm living in the mystery, I know that I can do the will of God, and when I do the will of God, then I have meaning in my life, because my purpose is to serve him. My purpose is to give him glory. My purpose is to live every day, every breath, doing what he has told me to do, and he has told me to love the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love my neighbor as myself. And wherever I am, whatever my situation is, I can do those two things. Nothing can take that away from me, so no one could take away the meaning from my life, regardless of the mystery of my circumstance. In Jesus, you can never take away my meaning. You can never take away my purpose. And I am so challenged by our brothers and sisters who are locked up for their faith. And suddenly they have no purpose, no ability to go and earn a living for their family. They can't preach the gospel. They can't teach. They can't even hold down a job. They can do nothing. They're locked away. But you cannot take their meaning. Because even in the cell they can praise Jesus. Even in the cell they can pray. Even in the cell they can bring to mind the scripture. And so their meaning remains even in the mystery of incarceration. And you and I in our freedom here, we have the audacity to say that we're looking for purpose and we're looking for meaning and we don't know where God is leaving us. Are we free? Are we able? We have meaning. We can serve God. We can pray. We can love people. We can love Aberdeen this week regardless of who you are, what gift and talent you have. There is an opportunity for you in the mystery. And again, there'll be people here in this auditorium or online and you live in Aberdeen and you don't know why. You came here for something You thought you may be following the will of God and now you're in the northeast corner of Scotland wondering what on earth went wrong and you're here. (laughs) Let me tell you, there is meaning for you in the mystery. And the meaning now is maybe just you can serve this city. You can love this city. You can be a part of this church. You can serve your God. In Jesus, we can always find meaning in the mystery. In Jesus... We find the only way to snatch life from the jaws of death. I'll be surprised if anyone in this room has heard of the remora fish. Show of hands. A few. Can't correct my pronunciation. The remora fish lives in the mouth of sharks and it cleans their teeth. It has what is probably one of the grimmest jobs in the animal kingdom. I imagine that sharks have pretty unpleasant halitosis. And living amongst their teeth, pulling the guts of other creatures out of them to eat them as your lunch, sounds to me like the the remora fish has drawn the short straw in the animal kingdom. But it lives in the mouth of sharks. It literally lives 
in the jaws of death. As long as a shark is swimming around with its mouth open, the remora fish can do its disgusting dentistry in peace. But should the shark choose to close its mouth, it is game over for Mr. or Mrs. Remora fish. It lives in the jaws of death. And the reality for all of us, up until the point when we claim Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we live in the jaws of death. And I believe that this is what the eunuch was starting to understand as he read Isaiah 53. And he sees death and he sees mortality and he wonders, what is the answer to this? We're all going to die. We live in the jaws of death. The Bible is very clear that the outcome of sin is death. It is separation from God, eternal separation from God. And all of us, like the remora fish, live our lives blindly in the jaws of death. And Jesus came so that we might snatch life from the jaws of death. When he died on the cross, when he gave his life, he bought freedom for all of us. Freedom from living in the jaws of death. Freedom from knowing that we were destined to an eternal separation from God. Freedom instead to declare that we are his sons and his daughters. And he put his hand out towards us and pulled us out of the jaws of death and pushed us into everlasting life. And you imagine, as the Ethiopian eunuch understands what Jesus has done for him, as he hears this, as Philip explains to him, look, we lived in the jaws of death and yet because of Jesus, we can have everlasting life. He stops the carriage. He sees the water and he says, not another step without declaring that I will serve that Jesus. I'm not going another inch along this road without giving him my life. I'm not breathing another minute without putting myself into his hands. If he is the one who can see beauty in the darkness, who can find meaning in the mystery and who can snatch life from the jaws of death, then I am with him. I'm with Jesus. He is the only way. He is the only way for me. And so they pull the carriage over and they go down into the water. And just like these four amazing people are going to do in a few moments' time, the Ethiopian eunuch says goodbye to his old life and he goes under the water and he is raised into a new life with Jesus Christ. Sometimes when I read this passage, I would look at the Ethiopian eunuch and think, oh, he's a bit impetuous, isn't he? Getting a bit carried away, a bit overexcited. It's not that way, it's me. I'm confused and I'm sleepwalking through my life, forgetting what Jesus has done for me. Forgetting what it really means to be loved by Jesus, to be cared for, to be held in his hands, to know that he's with me. We talk sometimes, don't we, about how evangelism is difficult, how it's hard to tell our friends and our family And sometimes the answers that we come up with in well-meaning meetings are things like evangelism courses, mentoring, training sessions, coaching, equipping people to be effective evangelists. It's not the problem. 
The problem isn't that we don't know how to evangelize. The problem is that we've forgotten why we should evangelize. We've forgotten who Jesus is. We've forgotten what he did for us. We've forgotten the beauty of everything that he has done for us. Because if we knew, if I knew who he is and what he's done for me, I wouldn't be sleepwalking through my life. Like the Ethiopian eunuch, I would be pulling over right now because we need to tell people, they need to know what Jesus has done for them. He is the only way to find beauty in the darkness. He is the only way to find meaning in the mystery. And he is the only way to snatch life from the jaws of death. Jesus himself says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. But everyone who calls on Jesus will be saved. Everyone who calls on him. We're going to take a moment before we move into our baptisms. Because I believe there'll be people in this room. And maybe, and in fact, there was a, there was a, a, a word earlier today that, that was relayed to me. That you're here and you've kept Jesus away for a long time and you've held him at arm's length and the word for you is it's not too late it's not too late to come back to him while there's breath in your lungs it's not too late to take his hand and walk with him into your future Craig Patterson the only way now Craig uh, was speaking at King's Church Aberdeen all this program we've been considering what, where, and who is your focus? We might just as well ask, what, where, and who is our focus, my focus? Because each of us can ask this question of ourselves, and perhaps we should do it more often. Our scripture for this program is Luke chapter 10, verse 27. He answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And we've been starting to develop our thoughts about a much more intimate relationship with God, and that's what Christ Jesus came for. God realizes that each of us are less than perfect, but by knowing him, we can start that relationship with God to be more in relationship. So I'm going to pray first of all a prayer so that all those who do not yet know Christ as Lord and Savior can do so. Then after that a prayer that each and every person would do well to pray with our hearts so that God can bring us into greater intimacy with him and we can start coming to realize God in a new and profound way. Instead of looking down, we can look up. Christ enables us to have a much more open and intimate relationship with God. So let's do that. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus Christ, I'm sorry, Lord, first of all, for all the things that I have done wrong, said wrong, thought wrong, my wrong attitudes, and also, Lord, for the things that I have not done and the ways in which I have been dishonest in my life. Please forgive me. Please help me to repent, to turn away from those things. Please now come into my life by your Spirit to be my Lord and Saviour forever, and help me to be the person you want me to be. Amen.
God will answer such a prayer as that because God can and God does if we trust him and it is also about trust we could almost consider it even in human terms as a husband and wife and in a relationship they build up a level of trust and that level of trust is forged by being not only loving but also open and honest with each other caring about each other and in a christian marriage that's actually made much more because we put god at the center of everything we do and that is something that helen and i have done we have put god at the center of that i think i should actually say that coming up in the last track of this program i'm not ashamed to own my lord this was actually sung recently at a celebration of life and we were celebrating the life in christ of a very special lady but also a marriage and just that whole occasion was while we were sad we were also happy because we knew where that lady was she had put her trust in christ totally and that instead of being really sorrowful people came away from it uplifted it was an uplifting celebration and that is exactly what christian marriage can be like that is exactly what a marriage with god at the center can be like really special now we're going to have a quick prayer and this quick prayer is going to uh, pray for more intimacy lord jesus christ i want to bring before you all those who have accepted christ as lord and saviour lord you want that each of us should not perish but should have everlasting life you want that each of us should be able to live life to the full and you want to develop an intimacy with each of us lord god our lives are so fraught with different things going on and as i look around me and i think about my week to come and my week that's gone by and the numbers of people who have been in contact life just seems to get more and more busy lord god i pray lord that each of us would develop a much more intimate relationship with you because you have enabled it through your son jesus and lord god in doing so when we put things aside when we come in prayer that we will find you ready lord help each one of us to get closer to you amen listeners we look forward to hearing from you in the future if you would like to make any comments about the show if you've accepted christ as lord and savior please get in touch with us and we'll look forward to hearing from you our email address is info at g4g.org.uk i'll be back with you next week god willing at the same time but for the moment bye-bye for now and we're going to go into your gospel in catalan followed by i'm not ashamed to own my lord or to defend his cause joan 3:16 deu estimat tan al món que ha donat el seu fill únic perquè no es perdi ningú dels que creuen en ell sinó que tinguin vida eterna